everybody and welcome to a special episode of Architect Tomorrow. We're going to do an unboxing, I'm excited to say, and I'm joined by a brilliant uh, panel. And if you want to know who everyone is, check out the previous video that we recorded that everyone briefly introduced themselves. So it's an unboxing. So of course I need something here to unbox. So here we go. Let's have a look at what we have in here. So we have enterprise design patterns which I have to say, I have to thank Lisa, um, who's on this call today for introducing me to. Um, I, I love it because, you know, enterprise architecture and enterprise design and um, business architecture can be quite often described in very complex ways in very large documents, you know, very large books. And I love the simplicity and the conciseness of this book. Everyone here on the call is uh, either an author or is involved in Intersection, who is behind the book. And so Wolfgang, let's start with, with, with you. What's, um, what has driven you to actually write this book? What was the kind of, you know, what was the thing that you kind of woke up in the morning or collectively that kind of came to you and, and inspired you to create this? Now, there was a moment in the, in the, at the intersection conference in Lisbon because there was a talk by Takashi Iba, a professor from Japan and a friend of Milan, and he gave a presentation about uh, design patterns. He speak in this pattern language. And after this talk, I ran to Milan and said, we need to write an enterprise design patterns book. Because for me, it became pretty obvious because um, the idea of patterns is such a strong idea. Christopher Alexander invented them decades back and, and everybody will always refers to them. And, and of course, there was also this Gang of Four book, you know, them yeah. in the software architecture field, this uh, uh, Gamma book, uh, Gamma was the author and, and, and so on. So um, in my juvenile days as a software developer, I always referred to this pattern book and I found this is a strong way that helps software developers to write better codes. And so why not write a book that helps enterprise architects, enterprise designers of any kinds to get more impact? Yeah, because we all agree we have so limited impact and we want to have an impact. And so I started, uh, the first uh, person I contacted was Bart, because his Mr. Shakespeare, as I like to call him, his English is, so if you like the language in the book, uh, please, uh, it's compliments for Bart, not for me. Um, and he was the, the second person. So we started the two of us and then Milan and, and, and Annika joined. And this was really an amazing journey of, of wisdom and constant learning for me. So this was a big learning experience. Yeah, but the motivation was, can we bring together the wisdom of four authors into a very condensed book? Because I'm a firm believer that enterprise architecture, enterprise design must not be complex. It's mm -hmm. simple. And there are simple patterns. It doesn't mean that it's easy to apply, yeah, but the patterns behind them, I think simplicity and conciseness. And, and actually the simplicity of the book, I, I, I really like, and I'll talk to you, Milan, about this next, is the design of the book is, is beautiful in simplicity. I like the kind of, you know, approach of a nice visual, a nice quote, and then the kind of pattern language, I suppose, of, you know, in this context, therefore, consequently. M Milan, was that something that you um, were kind of really keen on, kind of creating a very sort of simple sort of design throughout the book? Is that was that was that your sort of? What, what, talk to us about your kind of input from a design perspective on the book. Um, I, I think it was a shared goal of everyone involved to to make it really uh, accessible and and convey the message in a really really easy way. Um, also knowing that we have. A, a kind of a diverse um, target group, right? So the audience is like, not everyone will have the same background. So 
Um, so, uh, but I, I have to credit here actually my my partner in EDA in, in the consultancy, Dennis. He he created the layout of the book, and um, also Jean Sebastian Dergel. He he created the illustrations. So uh, I was not the only designer working on it. And I would say actually my my contribution was more. Um, bring in the ideas of you know human-centric design uh working working with assumptions with hypotheses with validation also having maybe a kind of artistic view on what what it is that we are doing um and bring that together with the um ideas of you know um uh, collaboration co-creation working with systems working with models uh, because all of that together is really what what makes this a, a one practice. Um, and uh, but yeah, I, I you know we we sometimes get interesting reviews. Um, like you know many people like you are actually very positive and say, well, um, the pictures are actually really helping to understand because they're they are like metaphorical, but still they are very like they they they. They speak to the pattern, right? So, and we had a lot of co-creation sessions with Jean Sebastian, finding out how can we depict what what should be depicted for mm. something as abstract as this. But sometimes we get um, interesting reviews. Like, I bought this book. I'm an IT architect or enterprise architect. I don't know why it's full of ships. <laughs> you know, and uh, I I find that also really curious. Is um, and, and yeah, those people are right. It's actually full of full of ships. <laughs> we use it as a metaphor, you know, this big tanker that enterprises sometimes are. I, I think it comes down to being able to apply the pattern, right? And maybe some people want a very prescriptive cookbook of exactly what they should do in their job. And I don't think that that's, but that's not the designer or the architect in my view. That's, you know, that, 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 that isn't the role. The role is to take wisdom and knowledge and, and, and apply it and look for, Look for patterns and challenge options and assumptions and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, Bard and possibly Wolfgang as well, because I know you, you've spoken about this a bit on LinkedIn and, and as we were sort of discussing earlier, EA being dead is, is something that kind of pops up quite frequently on social media. And it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it and, I, and in a way, I wonder whether what you're trying to do is almost redesign enterprise architecture as enterprise as enterprise design, because that's what it needs. It needs people to look at it differently. Is that is that some of the inspiration and the thinking behind the work? Yeah, if I can answer that one, uh, absolutely. One of the uh, saying enterprise architecture is dead for me simply means that the discipline has been hijacked by by the wrong crowd of people, right? The, it, it's become an IT discipline, as I said earlier, and and it's not. It wasn't meant to be an IT discipline, so we need needed to break it open. But you don't break it open by writing long, complicated stories or or prescriptive manuals of how to do it. You need to make people think. And that's what we try to do in the book is give them just enough to get them thinking, but they have to do the thinking. Yeah. And that was part of the whole process. And, and in, turn, in terms of the language, by the way, I was thinking when Wolfgang uh, compares me to Shakespeare, I wonder what Shakespeare would have written if Wolfgang had been around. <laughs> would, it, would it have been 30-minute Netflix episodes? Because he didn't let me write long things, right? He, he, wa he was mainly the force behind keeping it as short and pointy as possible, which in the end, I think, worked beautifully. But the idea of giving people something else to think about, that's, I think, the, 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 the basis of the whole thing. The same thing with the Milky Way maps. 
right? Just giving them a different view of the world than they're used to. I don't know if we succeeded. I think we've succeeded in opening the discussion. Yep. And so for me, the motivation now is to see if we can keep that discussion going and not slide back into, yeah, but ultimately it is about IT, which it's not, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, Annika, I will come to you in a moment, but just to close this sort of piece off, I mean, Wolfgang, I know you, you quote Chris Potts in the book, and Chris and I have become quite close, actually, over the last couple of years. He's appeared on Architect Tomorrow a couple of times now. And I know he, he, he respects what you're doing, but he challenges the way in which you're going about some of the branding and the kind of marketing, I suppose. He, he doesn't like the, you know, this, he, he, what he says is, you know, enterprise architects as a, as a discipline is a, is a, you know, a very um, you know, esteemed uh, role and people shouldn't be being derogatory about the role because people's livelihoods are at stake. What, what, what's your sort of take on, take on that? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I kind of appreciate that sometimes things have to be broken down to be built back up again. But is, is that sort yeah. of the thinking, like Bard was saying? I, I think that there's a major paradigm shift that needs to happen. And that was the idea with architectural thinking. I believe that it's not a good idea to have enterprise architecture or enterprise design, however you call it, or business architecture, and see it as a discipline. It's a collaborative practice. And we must involve all the thousands of business people that are inside the company. So rather than having experts with high knowledge and expertise in any architectural stuff, we need many, many people in the business that are already doing that to connect themselves and to connect their dots. And I call this architectural thinking. And this architectural thinking helps them to co-design better enterprises. That's the idea. And I know that there's a community that says, no, enterprise architecture is a discipline. And there's IASA and so on, and, and, and maybe Chris and so on. But I think that's a, that's a paradigm shift that is, is about to happen. Because I believe that it's much easier to teach all the seasoned business experts a little bit of architecture, because I don't think it's difficult. That's a bit provocative. Right? I know there are enterprise architects that are doing it for 30 years and so on. I think it's. I think you know, what everyone can agree on is that every organization has an enterprise architecture. It's whether you need enterprise architects, I suppose, yes. to, to, to build and maintain that enterprise architecture. Well, actually, enterprise architecture is this collective discipline uh, and this collaborative effort. Um, I mean, Annika, what's your what's your take on is that is that where you've kind of landed as well? That it's kind of it, it's it's actually moved on from being a profession because it can't be one person anymore. Let's put it that way. It's, the world's too complex, right? Um, definitely. And I think like a bit of, I don't know who said that it had been sort of hijacked by a number of people. I think this, this, the ambition of enterprise architecture, the architecture was this sort of taking care of the main structures of the of organizations or, or enterprises, if you like, and then make sure that you are, are making good decisions on what you want, what we would like to do in the future and how we could sort of come about that. But what has happened is that it has been totally kidnapped by people writing boxes, you know, boxes and then speaking in, in a weird language that nobody really gets. And then you always feel a bit dumb when you met them because it seems like there's something I didn't get. What, what I think that we should take from the business, from the enterprise architecture, is this idea of sort of taking care of and, and maintaining the structures and, and the so how we have coded the logic that we have within our enterprises. But I do think that we need to add layers on that that maybe people were not thinking of at the time when enterprise architecture started. We need to add things like 
customer experience, uh, stories, values, all of these things that we have sort of sort of tried to capture, not try, we have captured them in the enterprise design facets, this architecture and, and purpose and stories and, and then and the experiences. And that is kind of what we do with the book as well, I think, because what, what struck me when I, I just went through the book a few few weeks ago, or maybe a week ago or something, and, and sort of noted what are the what are the patterns have I been using since I started at Scania, uh, working with this huge thingy that we're doing. This is sort of endeavor of changing everything and then expanding and you know everything at the same time, and I just tick them off. It's just like yeah, I have my personal vision. Yes, I have doing my collisions and all of that, and then moving into the other ones. And it's it's this idea of filling the gap where, where logic is not the problem. I mean, we're all most people that work with these things are. At least my experience is that we are fairly analytic and we see things fairly quickly. We're allowed to sort of see patterns fast, and, and and we've been trained in it for a number of years, most of us. But what we are missing is this this thing that makes it real, the, the flesh and blood of the stories. We cannot just do straw men. We need to draw actual people <laughs> and situations and interaction and all those things. So I think that is that is a shift. And, and, and also currently with so many organizations moving towards agile and, and, and you know, another type of, of leadership, you know, that, that, you know, trusting people and is sort of this idea of explaining what you what we want to achieve and then that people or teams come up with solutions that also requires a way richer language of how you describe what you want to do uh, and there is the, all the stories and i just i'm just currently writing stories for a number of players in the large idea of in the new industrial setup and the way that the stories helped us come through difficulties, conflicts, and, and, you know, just different points of views has been so fascinating to watch. And it's only like a PowerPoint with three boxes. I mean, we expect this, you are here, what do you, what do you have to do? And they are, you know, like finding a whole new way of talking about the things that has been, you know, everybody has been struggling with for quite some time to just put it short yeah and, and, I, and I wonder if and Lisa I'd like to sort of pick your brains a bit on this I wonder if you know a lot of the obsession with the boxes and the lines and the mysterious language and being very technical is because it's it was originally perhaps born out of that sort of systems and IT world and I think a lot of people acknowledge that wasn't where it should go it should be you know owned in more of a business sort of holistic kind of function or what have you but I wanted to kind of pick your brains a little bit I suppose on you know, did, did this book sort of support or kind of change some of your, because I know you come from a, a different sort of, you know, you're often posting a different perspective, like on social media, for example, around kind of thinking about the customer experience or the, or the user journey or what have you. And is this what you think we need in terms of sort of, I suppose, to kind of prick ourselves out of this sort of overcomplicated, over IT driven sort of mindset we have around architecture at the moment? So I think Oliver, that, um, I don't think any of us are saying we don't need IT architects. You know, I definitely think there's a place for IT architecture and always will be, and the demand for that is there and the yep. expertise for that is there. And the world of pure tech is constantly changing. So 
there definitely needs to be IT architects and they definitely need to be architecting their solutions with the enterprise in mind. So I don't think um, IT architecture is dead at all. I think what we're all pulling at is how more important the enterprise and business layer is mm -hmm. architecture. And, you know, the traditionalists of TOGAF know about business data and tech as part of the TOGAF domains. And I think what I've been inspired by the, the patterns, which I come back to, but the intersection group in the main is how it's turning the dial up on the, the business side, the organizational design, the customer experience side. And that's a whole different um, language, a whole different set of methods and a whole different audience. And, I, and I'm totally happy with the boxes and the lines when you've got two architects talking together. You know, sure. when you've got two architects talking together, those boxes and lines work brilliantly. It's when the IT architects put those same diagrams in front of senior stakeholders and move to educate senior stakeholders on their technical discipline. And what I love about the book and the patterns book is it brings you up from the tech and talks about, you know, the probing questions, the, correlate, the coalitions, and talks about getting business buy-in to the change that has to happen. So I think it's a nuance. You know, I think that is architecture dead? No, it's not. No. It's far from dead. In fact, it's growing in importance with things like security and all of the sort of cloud-based services that are out there. Architecture is not dead. What we're turning the dial up on and what people like the intersection group are turning the dial up on is the word enterprise and bringing that alive. And what I'm turning the dial up on, some of the things that I post on LinkedIn, is the word experiences mm -hmm. and really bringing that experiences in to how you design an enterprise and then what technology you need to put in place to match it. So I think it's a fascinating dialogue. Um, and, and I just I just wish people would embrace new ways of thinking and new ways of talking about um, enterprise design and enterprise architecture. I think you've, you've hit the nail. some of it. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, and it's sort of being open, isn't it, to other ways and and and, and that's what I like. And I think another way of thinking about the book, from my perspective, is it's like how do you take your you know maybe super super clever what you've come up with as an architecture function. But how do you communicate that and make it actionable? And I and I really like the book for that respect, you know, the kind of different patterns that can help you be, be it corporate politics, navigating that, be it kind of listening to stakeholder input. And a lot of this, as I was reading, you know, I was violently sort of nodding along to it. But it's almost like the common sense that isn't that common because someone hasn't actually sat down and write it down until you've written it down. Um, the other thing I wondered was whether it was an inspiration, and anyone feel free to jump in and answer this, is I read a lot of the rules books by Richard Templar. I don't know if any of you seen any of those books and it's very similar in that what Richard Templer did was he basically took uh, like corporate life and he created these sort of very simple kind of almost common sense rules and they were on two pages as well they were so when I was reading it, I was like wow this is almost like the architecture rules book that that, that, that like Rich if you haven't seen that book by all those books by all means go and I want to say something about that because one of the things that has always been in the back of my mind is that I, I can't remember who said it, but it is that uh, the, the statement was, if you want complex behavior, you need simple rules. Yeah. Right? Complex rules produce stupid behavior. <laughs> simple rules produce intelligent behavior. Yeah. And I think part of the whole exercise of writing the book was how can we bring it down to the simplest version possible? 
because that what allows people to to then behave intelligently around it. The other thing, I think I that's like. if if you go back to the boxes of the architects, yeah. I think that's one of the things architects go wrong, right? They they chart enormously complex environments and they make beautifully complex maps, but you cannot use them to communicate to people. You need to find the essence of that complexity and bring it back to simple communications. And that's an art. That's that's not yeah. something that you learn overnight or or you can you can put a formula uh, towards. You have to learn that through practice. So that simplicity, I think that's one of the core elements. One of the um, one of the things I was going to say that links to what you just said is um, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough, right? And so, for, for me, it's yeah, it's like it's like it's clear that that the, the, you as authors have all sort of lived and breathed uh, having to make these sort of big shifts in enterprises because you're explaining often quite difficult, complex political situations. How do you navigate that? Is is you know, and yes, you need to interpret it. And as Milan said, it's not. It's not giving you all the answers. You need to kind of look at that and go, yeah, how do I apply this to my current context, my current situation? But no, I, I, I really like that. Um, who would like to jump in perhaps with their, their kind of favourite part of the book or the bit that got them most excited to work on? Wolfgang, is there anything that particularly stands out for you in the book that you're particularly proud of? Do you think there's one pattern, a favourite <laughs> pattern? No, I don't. Oh, that's, I'm not prepared for this question. No, I think I'm most proud that we achieved uh, to have this clarity and, and con uh, conciseness because I think this opens spaces because you are... Uh, brain has some freedom to think you don't need to read a lot and I, I, I gave this book to a friend of mine he's more a traditional enterprise architect and he's very seasoned and experienced and he said that's obvious I know that right and some people say that's obvious yes of course you need management and clear ownerships yeah and then I asked him why isn't it happening why that doesn't why, I, all the companies I see Usually the, the enterprise architecture practice is not as mature and, and they are stopping somewhere. I don't know exactly where. And then that means that there's a lot of freedom to think about what do I need in my special context to make this work? And then your thoughts go in the right direction and you don't need to uh, think about 35 entities in huge meta models and you don't need to read 900 pages of bodies of knowledge and, and so on. So I think I'm most proud of this simplicity, as you mentioned, and it was hard work. It was. Yeah? So I think each pattern we had 70 revisions or so. And so almost I suppose what's not seen is like, is, is the book that isn't here. Right. And that, the, the it's a lot. I can I can honestly say, and that's just an estimate, conservative estimate, for every word in the book, at least six words were taken out. Yeah. 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 And that was when we kind of agreed on what we wanted to say. So like how many were spoken? <laughs> I mean, I think I think at least from my side, since we did this in the spring of 2000, uh, to, uh, 20, 2020, it was the pandemic. Uh, everything was a bit, you know, you didn't really know what what was going on. I had I had my assignment cut from five days full time to three days or two days, two days I think. So suddenly, as a consultant, have three days over, which is not really usually the case. And we had time to really re reflect uh, on on all of these things. And um, I I must say that I I really like how we coded sort of this this kind of gut feeling 
at least a lot of these patterns are are tapping into a kind of tap, sort of gut feeling that I have when I work in these different situations. And we have been able to codify them so you can detect them. For instance, two of the of the patterns that that um, I don't know, I cannot say that they were mine, but that I argued for and that got in the book are, are moments in time and, and capturing story. I like the enterprise rhythms as well. And maybe those three are really uh, sort of the first time that I, for myself, could so so clearly see what I was doing or what, what, I, what I was looking for. And the type of discussions that we had when we molded all of these patterns uh, were really, you know, trying to cut down to the, the essence of what is the, what happens when I, when I hear or when there is a cue on that this, this works. For instance, if there is this um, look for enterprise rhythm, which is, it has to do with, it's not just the task that you're doing, you need yep. to figure out what's going on. In the I, rest I was literally about to ask about that. I literally have the page open because yeah, yeah. For, for, for me, this, this almost sums up this sort of difference in approach and style, right? In that Togaf, I don't want to diss Togaf because there are some good bits of Togaf, don't get me wrong. But the thing I always struggled with with Togaf is it felt too much like bringing, you know, um, it's almost like when people buy SAP and SAP expects you to follow the SAP process rather than actually adapting SAP to the organization. And Dance the Enterprise Rhythms for me is, yeah, you need to kind of observe how does the organization operate? You know, how does the how do, how does funding and change actually happen? And yeah. how do you tap into that? Who are the yeah. who are the program managers or the key people you need to kind of influence and work with and collaborate with in order to take your stuff from being just a, a design, an idea on a slide or, or an architecture diagram? Who do you need to go and work with in order to kind of make that happen? And and assuming you can kind of apply some kind of architecture methodology and process, that for me feels completely the wrong way around. You need to kind of be more pragmatic and and listen to the organization and tap into the parts of the organization that are going to kind of listen and uh, and work with and, and also so, if, you, yeah. if you expand it to the other i think the, it, it, that is sort of yes you need to listen to your own organization but it gets really interesting when re you realize you need to listen to uh, to the outside is this something is there a seasonal pattern is there the market introduction of an of a competitor that drives us to do this so what what is it that we so it's this, I think there's a quote from Donella Meadows, isn't it, in, in the pattern? Because that is sort of, when I read her, her book, Dancing with Systems, I think it's called, that was the first time that I realized that there is this thing going on <laughs> that is not captured in the diagrams, in the boxes, in the processes. It's just there. It's sort of the life of it. So yeah. how do you find that? And, and the other thing for me is the whole, enterprise versus sort of ecosystem and i like what you're just talking about there around actually what's going on on the outside like yeah. because you you can pretend that the world outside doesn't exist and you don't have competition but the reality is there's there's the uber for every industry now sort of springing up and yes yeah. that's just a copycat sort of approach but actually is there are there new ways of working and new ways of interacting with your customers and i don't know if there's sort of any sort of thoughts you have on on that in the book about how you need to perhaps be more in tune with what customers want rather than just assuming you need to optimize the internals if that makes sense yeah it's um i think it's a major theme for us actually um this uh phenomenon that that enterprises uh, as they are successful and they grow um become more and more uh like focus on themselves 
which is you know not not necessarily always bad. It's just um, if if they don't notice uh, and they assume that's normal all the time. Um, and and you know you mentioned experience a lot, and and you know working with a lot of customer experience, user experience teams. Um, this is actually something that that happens there. You know, like uh, when they say um, the customer journey is how people interact with us. You know. And no, it's not. It's it's how it's how you it's how you show up in their world, yeah. show up in their lives yeah. exactly, and yeah. how you might be useful for them. And the same goes for employees. The same goes for investors. The same goes for all sorts of uh, sorts of uh, co-creator stakeholders um, around the enterprise. And um, so, one of my favorite patterns, actually, um, you know, I, I admit to have a, having a few, um, is the one called unintended consequences. No, because it's one that I, I really miss um, in, in a lot of practice. People pay lip service to um, system thinking or human-centric or design thinking or also architecture, like enlightened architecture practice. But then do you actually ask yourself, will, like, what will this eventually result in down the line? What is the outcome after the outcome after the outcome? Um, Wolfgang has a quite bleak example of that in his webinars, and um, you know, and and so, <laughs> uh, and I think you know, when when we talk about experience, I really have the feeling that just like enterprise architecture, maybe or um, experience design nowadays, also is in a deep crisis of, well, yeah, we need to make um, people buy this, so we have to create a great experience, you know, make the button link and and you know and that's not experience design and so you know like i, th I think we are addressing several crises <laughs> with, with what we do thanks brian it's a real it's a real shame to have to stop the conversation here but we we have run we have run over how, how long we were going to speak but i think we we'll definitely have to get you back to talk to us about edgy uh talk to architect tomorrow community about edgy that would be great so um Hopefully we can we can we can do that. And look, fantastic conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for talking about the Enterprise Design Patterns book. Um, and I look forward to having follow-on conversations with you all in due course. So thanks again. Oh, one last thing, my favorite pattern, leaving. I think it's time to leave now. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Just this call, everything, right? <laughs> thank you so much Bye, for everyone. Thanks, Oliver. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.